Thank you, Lord. We lift our hearts to you. Amen. Lord, we thank you for this service tonight. We thank you that the Spirit of God and the Word of God shall have free course. And it shall be glorified in the hearts of the hearer. And Lord, we just give you great praise for utterance to be granted to speak your words and to hear your words. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Children's Church, you are dismissed tonight. Praise God. I'm glad to see that we have a lot of kids that came out. That's really awesome. We're starting our series tonight with the kids. It'll run for five weeks, so make sure yours are here because it's going to be a good one. You don't want them to miss out on it. Well, tonight, you know, Pastors Mark and Brenda are down in Livy Land, and it's Livy's fifth birthday, so they're going to be celebrating. So, Lord, just bless them this week. I know they're going to have a great time. We're going to be talking tonight about a really precious subject. It's the subject that's called the heart of worship. Don't you just love our pastors, Tom and Kimberly? They are worshipers. They truly lead us to a place of worship, don't they? I love it when you come to that place where the anointing that's on them helps to usher you up into the throne room of God so that you, you, you find yourself entering his gates and thanksgiving begins to rise in your heart. And then you enter his courts and you begin to praise God. And then you enter his throne room and you're on your knees in a place of worship. Hallelujah. Worship, you know, however, does not make you a worshiper. Worship is a place where you abandon yourself to God and to his will and to his way for your life. The heart of a worshiper is inward and it's upward, but its fruits are outward. You'll know a worshiper. You'll know them by their fruits. Because a worshiper has a place in God where the Spirit of God is allowed to work in their heart. And it helps them to be conformed into the image of Jesus. It's just not a church church attender, it's just not a pew warmer. It is one who comes and brings their whole self, spirit, soul, and body, and worships worships God. And then they take what they get in the sanctuary, and they take it out into the highways and byways of life. And they live life as a worshiper of God. I remember when I made that decision... It was back in 1977, and some of you may have heard part of my testimony where God called me up. And he actually did that, you know. There was a campaign in the 70s, and it was called I Found It. 
And this lady from my family called me up on the phone and said, Hi, I'm, I don't even remember her name, but I'm so-and-so, and I'm from, I've found it. Have you found Jesus as your Lord and Savior? And of course, I was so proud to say, oh, yes, I have. I was a little Baptist girl. I gave my heart to Jesus uh, at an early age, and I, I did love God. I did pray. I wasn't really established in the word, but I did love God as much as I could. And so this lady began to ask me what church I went to. And I said, well, I don't go to church. And she said, you don't? And I said, no. She said, why not? What a good question. I said, well, you know, I have little kids and I'm just really busy and I work and it just doesn't fit into my life right now. And this lady on the other end of the line began to cry. She began to weep. And I didn't know what was wrong with her. (laughs) Years later, the Lord showed me she was in travail. She was travailing for you. And she said, honey, can I send you some material? And I said, well, sure, no problem. So I gave her my address and I wanted to get off the phone, but I didn't want to be rude to her. But I graciously got off the phone with her, and you know, that material didn't come the next day. And it didn't come the day after, but it came on the third day. (laughs) And you know, during that time, I know my mom, who was a, she was a wonderful little Baptist lady, and I know she had prayed for me through the years. And I know this lady also had prayed for me. And one day when I get to heaven, I'm going to thank her for it. (laughs) I'm going to meet that lady from I found it, and I'm going to thank her for it. Well, the Holy Spirit had been dealing with me. You know how he does? Sometimes you just don't even know what it's about. You just know there's something. Mm. And he had been dealing with me over those three days. And I came home, and I went to the mailbox. I took the material and the mail out. I went into my home, and I sat on my couch. I began to open my mail. And there was that envelope, you know, that envelope. And I opened it up. And the Spirit of God just fell upon me. And I remember just praying one simple little prayer. And that prayer was, okay, God, if you (laughs) will reveal yourself to me. And I don't want to know what the Baptists say. I don't want to know what the Catholics say. I don't want to know what the Pentecostals say. I don't want to know what the Lutherans say. I want to know what you say. And if you will reveal yourself to me, I will serve you. And I'm telling you, he did just that. There was a hunger that arose in my heart from that prayer forward. And that hunger hit just, oh, I could not get enough of the word of God. I would devour it for hours on time. And the Holy Spirit began to open up the scriptures. And he began to give me understanding of the scriptures. And he began to connect the scriptures. I remember the first time I realized that John the Baptist was Jesus' cousin. That was just such a revelation to me. But, you know, (laughs) it was a glorious time. 
It was a glorious time. God gave me insight. He gave me wisdom. And you know, he's still answering that prayer today. Prayers are eternal, you know. He's still answering that prayer. He's still giving me hunger. He's still giving me revelation. He's still giving me insight and he's still giving me wisdom. And I thank him for it. Well, then I remember the first time that I visited a spirit-filled church. Remember, I was a little Baptist girl, but I was hungry for God. And I could see in the scriptures there was something more. So I went to visit this church, this spirit-filled church, and there was such a presence of God there. It was so powerful. And I remember it affected my entire being. I remember sitting there. It was like my, my heart hungered for what was there. That my soul just wanted to run out the back door. <laughs> I didn't understand. I was in worship. And they were worshiping. And they were worshiping in the spirit. I didn't understand it with my understanding. All I know is my heart longed for it. My soul didn't understand it. But my whole body physically shook from it. I mean, I'm telling you, I could not control the tears that streamed down my face that day. This was a large church, and I was sitting in the back over to the right. And I noticed that there was a young lady, probably in her late 20s or so, and she was standing up at the front over to the left. And she was standing there and she was worshiping God. And she had her hands and her arms lifted. And she had her head and her face lifted to heaven. And she was worshiping. But you know what I saw more than her hands? More than her face? I saw her heart. Her heart was lifted up to God in worship. And, you know, the impression of her is still branded in my heart today. I can still see her standing there. I can still see her worshiping God with her whole being. I'm telling you, it was a glorious thing because it changed my life. I so wanted to know God like she knew God. I so wanted to love God like I saw her loving God. And it made me hungrier yet. Romans chapter 6 and verse uh, 13 in the English version says this. It says, give yourself to God. And that's what I began to do. I began to give myself. I began to surrender my whole life to him. It says, surrender your life, your whole being to him for righteousness purposes. Do you know that God has a righteous purpose for your life? He does. He has a plan for you. He has a will for you. And he has a purpose for you. In Romans chapter 12 and verse 1, it says this. It says, I appeal to you, therefore, brethren... And beg you in view of all the mercies of God to make a decisive dedication of your bodies, presenting all your members and faculties as a living sacrifice, 
holy, devoted, and consecrated, and well-pleasing to God, which is what? Your reasonable, rational, intelligent service and spiritual what? Worship. That's that place of becoming a worshiper where you give your whole being to him. You give your life to him. Amen? Amen. Here's what I've found over the years, and I'm sure you found this to be true too because I know the people in this church. Christianity is not a religion. It is a relationship with God that brings you a new way of life. Worship is the vehicle you travel through in that life. True worship is when his destination becomes your destination. You know, that's when you really begin to fall in love with Jesus. Where you begin to fall in love with the Lord. Where there's a genuine desire to be like Christ. Where you want him to help you to grow up in him. 1 Peter 2.2 talks about how newborn babes, they desire something. They desire the sincere, precious, authentic word of the living God. It's a natural thing. Just like a little baby desires mother's milk, you know. You, as a spiritual babe in Christ, did you not desire the milk of the word? And then that milk did something for you. Just like mother's milk does something for babies. It puts even antibodies in babies. Babies who are breastfed. It's just a wonderful, glorious thing. And I'll tell you, the same thing is true when you um, feed upon the word of God. It nurtures you. It puts some things in you that will help you to grow up that'll help you to be strong in him, that'll help you to stand through the temptations and testings and trials that come our way in this earth life. Desiring the milk of the word so that you can grow up, that should be something that we should ever be doing. If you're not desiring and you're not hungry, you know, if a person loses their appetite, and they stop drinking. They're, they're physically ill. And it, the same thing is true as Christians. If we stop desiring God's word and we stop drinking and we're, stop, we're not thirsty any longer, something's wrong. It's an indication that something's wrong. And you need to go and you need to seek him. Amen. Until you find him. Did you know that the early believers, they were called disciples long before they were called Christians? They were called Christians after they emulated Christ-like characters. After they actually acted like who he was in the earth. Disciples are learners. And they allow the revelation of the word to transform their lives. Through the power of the Holy Spirit. Again, being hungry for the word. Hungry to learn. Hungry to grow. 
Sometimes I come up against some things in this earth life, you know. We all do. I mean, if you aren't finished with the trial, you might be going through one, or there may be one ahead of you. But in all these things, Paul said, in all these things, I am more than a conqueror. The key is, even though the things are going on all around you, they might be like trying to drop on you, but just don't let them get in you. Amen? Amen. They'll try to get in you through fear, through thoughts of fear. But you're the only one that can stop that. You're the only one that can make the decision that you're not going to allow the enemy to torment you with thoughts of fear. Do not frustrate the grace of God through thoughts of fear. Well, again, developing a heart of worship requires spiritual disciplines. Spiritual disciplines are designed by God to bring us into communion with him. You can't become a worshiper of God unless you're disciplined, unless you're feeding upon the word, unless you're growing. Hebrews 10:12 says this, it says, "Let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance and faith." Draw near Draw near to God. The process of drawing near in the Hebrew, the Hebrew word is called korban. It's a drawing near to God. Drawing nigh to God. In Hebrews he says, draw nigh to him and he will what? Draw nigh to you. Now that's a process where it takes some effort. The actual word in the Webster's Dictionary talks about pulling Exerting, exerting yourself to pull. You know, like if you're drawing water from a well, you've got to draw it up. Usually you have, maybe you have a bucket and a rope or something, and you're either cranking that thing or you're pulling it up somehow. You're drawing upon it. So it takes some effort on your part to draw nigh to God. That's what you're doing here tonight. Many of you perhaps had a busy day, did other things, But you wanted to draw upon the Spirit of God. And so you're here. And you're making a demand. And you're drawing. And God will not disappoint you. When you seek Him, you will find Him. Spiritual disciplines help us to focus on the things of God. So that we might truly know Him. And by knowing Him, that's when we come to worship Him. Worship is our response to the love of God. It's the highest expression of heart and soul. True worship does begin in the heart of man. It affects the soul, but it's birthed in your heart. It'll affect your mind. It will affect your will. It'll affect your emotions. But it's birthed in the heart of man, where the Spirit of God abides and lives in you. I want to look at two examples tonight. We're going to look in Exodus to see worship of the soul and worship of the heart. So I want to talk to you a little bit about the Israelites. The Israelites were enslaved for hundreds of years. They were in Egypt. You all know the story. You know, they served as slaves to Pharaoh. And Moses, of course, had grown up as a son of Pharaoh. 
And he had actually ruled over the Israelites. Well, God had heard the cry of the Israelites. They had been crying out for generations for God to deliver them. And so God sent Moses, you know, after a period of time, after he had left Egypt, after he had spent time, you know, away, and God had developed him and grown him and spoke to his heart. He sent him back to be the deliverer they had heard about all their life from generation to generation to generation. And, you know, that was a miracle in and of itself that God had sent Moses to help them to be delivered from Egypt. The Israelites, when they heard this, I'll tell you, the leaders, he went to the leaders first and he spoke with them. They were so excited and so blessed to hear that now the deliverer is here. That they fell on their face and they worshiped God. You can imagine if you were held in bondage all your lifetime and somebody came to set you free. What kind of emotion would you have in your heart? They were moved to that place of worship. They were moved to honoring God. And so, as the story goes, Moses went forth to speak to Pharaoh. He got into Pharaoh's office and he began to speak to Pharaoh. And Pharaoh, (laughs) he did not heed, as we know, what Moses had to say. As a matter of fact, he got so angry that he punished the Israelites and took their straw away and told them to make bricks without straw. Well, here these people who had been worshiping God with all their hearts, they decided now that they were angry at Moses. And they began to ask God to judge him. And so, God, who is so rich in mercy, he still delivered them, did he not? He sent Moses back, not once, not twice, but again and again and again. And he showed signs and miracles and wonders until Pharaoh was worn down and let the people go. And so as a result of that, of course, here they are. They're jubilant again. They're worshiping God. They're praising God. They're so excited. You know, they not only left Egypt free, they left Egypt with silver and gold and healing in their bodies. They were strengthened. There was not one feeble among them. And they went out praising God until they got to the Red Sea. <laughs> and of course, when they got to the Red Sea, they turned around and they saw Pharaoh and his great army coming against them. And they began to faint again. And they began to murmur and their attitudes changed and they began to be bitter and they lashed out again against Moses. And I want to pick it up there. Let's turn to Exodus chapter 14. We're going to look at verses 10 through 13. And when Pharaoh drew near, the children of Israel lifted their eyes, and behold, the Egyptians marched after them. So they were very afraid, and the children of Israel cried out to the Lord. 
Then they said to Moses, because there was no graves in Egypt, have you taken us away to die in the wilderness? Have you so dealt with us to bring us up out of Egypt? Is this not the word that we told you in Egypt saying, let us alone that we may serve the Egyptians? For it would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians that we should, that then, that we should die in the wilderness. Did you ever feel that way? I mean, honestly, it's like, God, what did you bring me here to do this for? Sure, I think we all have. When you do something bigger for God and you step out in faith and you begin to do some things, it's amazing some of the things that can come up. Verse 13, And Moses said to the people, Do not be afraid. Stand still and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will accomplish for you today. For the Egyptians whom you see today, you shall see again no more forever. The Lord will fight for you, and you shall hold your peace. So God sent a pillar of fire and stopped the Egyptians. I mean, again, they saw miracle after miracle after sign after wonder. Sometimes you hear people say, well, if I just saw a miracle, I would believe. But here, these people... They saw miracle after miracle, sign after sign. But their hearts were still not towards God. They were praising him on one hand and cursing on the other. So Moses, again in God's great mercy, he said, stand still and let's see the salvation of God. See, sometimes there's situations that that you encounter where there's nothing that the arm of your flesh can do. You have to just simply wait. Wait on God to move in your behalf. Now that's not a waiting like you're just sitting there and you're twiddling your thumbs and watching TV and passing the time away. Oh no, it's not that kind of waiting. It's a waiting where you've got to be active in the spirit. You've got to be in prayer about the situation. You've got to be speaking to the situation speaking to the mountain and not letting the mountain speak to you because it will you got to speak to it you got to answer the problem with the word of God and when you do that it sets some things in motion the angels hearken to the voice of his word So it puts the angels to work. The word of God will work for you when you put it to work. Amen? Amen. Hallelujah. And so they were standing and they were waiting and they did see the salvation of God because God divided the waters of the Red Sea. And here they were, a multitude, over a million people. And they walked through the Red Sea on dry ground. And they got across to the other side. Are you crossing over to the other side tonight? Well, if God goes before you, you're going to make it. So they got to the other side and turned around and here comes Pharaoh and his army 
But God, he closed the waters. And what did he do? He swallowed up the enemy. And he will swallow up your enemies. As you stand and see the salvation of God. When he does for you what you cannot do for yourself. When he vindicates you. He will make it as clear as the noonday. That is his word. That is his promise. But you've got to believe it to activate it. It doesn't work just because the word of God says it. See, you've got to mix the word of God with what? With your faith. You've got to mix it with faith. That's the ingredient that you need. It's the yeast that causes the thing to rise. So when you mix it with your faith, God sees to it that it gets established. If you'll decree a thing, it shall be established for you. Remember that word thing is is, is the same uh, Greek word as the word rhema? If you will declare a rhema, a rhema is a spoken word to your spirit by the Holy Spirit. That comes from waiting on the Lord, not waiting in front of the TV or just waiting. It comes from the right kind of waiting. The kind that you're inclining your ear and you're just, you're listening. Amen. Your your heart is open and it's tender to receive. Hallelujah. So here they were in a victory. And guess what they were doing? Praising God. Worshiping God. Singing glory. Hallelujah. Hallelujah singing God's praises and they did that but then there came another issue remember that one it was the issue of the food (laughs) here they were and again see we can get acclimated to some things especially in a church like this and here they were receiving supernatural provision every day and it was day by day remember they couldn't store up the manna that came from heaven Because it it would rotten. They had to every day trust God for today. And so God would supernaturally, through a miracle, feed them from manna from heaven. And you know God's food had every nutrient that it needed to sustain those bodies. To make them strong. But they got acclimated to it. They got used to it. And pretty soon, they started murmuring about it. They started saying, hey, when we were back in Egypt, we had meat every day. And we had bread every day until we were full. See, you've got to watch those things. Because they come up so subtly on you. Then let the Holy Ghost shine a light on those places in your heart. Shine a light on it. Reveal some of those places where maybe you catch yourself murmuring. Sometimes I catch myself sighing. And I'll, I'll yell to Janie in the next office, Janie, sorrow and mourning has fleed away. You have to catch yourself. 
It's easy to get into that spirit of whining and murmuring and complaining. You got to stop it. Amen. Amen? And so what happened is they began to murmur and complain. And we can see a pattern here, can't we? There's a pattern. It was worship of what? It was worship of the flesh. Worship of the soul when they felt like it was conditional worship. But conditional worship does not make you a worshiper. As long as their own needs were met, their own desires, their own interest, as long as it was met, it was all about them. That's not true worship. Let's look at uh, Exodus 3, chapter 1 in the NIV, please. The Lord was angered and said to Moses, Leave this place, you and the people you brought out of Egypt, and go up to the land I promised, an oath to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, saying, I will give it to you and your descendants. I will send an angel before you and drive out the Canaanites, the Amorites, the Hittites, and so on and so forth. Go up to the land flowing with milk and honey. But, but what? Do you see that? What did he say? But I will not go with you. Because you are stiff-necked people and I might destroy you on the way. Well, you know, pastor's been talking about some things around here since the beginning of the year. He's been talking about presence-led. I find it interesting that what, Jesus, what, what uh, Moses said, let's, let's read on. When the people heard these distressing words, they began to mourn, and no one put on any ornaments or jewelry. For the Lord said to Moses, Tell the Israelites you are a stiff-necked people. If you were to go with you, even for a moment, I might destroy you. Now take off your ornaments, and I will decide what to do with you. So the Israelites stripped off their ornaments at Mount Horab. And then uh, verse 7. Now Moses used to take a tent and pitch it outside the camp some distance away, calling it the tent of the meeting. You've heard of camp meeting? This was camp meeting. Anyone inquiring of the Lord would go to the tent of the meeting outside of the camp. And whenever Moses went out of the tent, all the people rose and stood at the entrances to their tents, watching Moses until he entered the tent. As Moses went into the tent, the pillar of cloud, remember that was another sign, the pillar of cloud would lead them by day and the pillar of fire by night. Well, the pillar of cloud would come down and stay at the entrance while the Lord spoke to Moses. And whenever the people saw the pillar of cloud standing at the entrance to the tent, they all stood and they worshipped each at the entrance to their tent. And the Lord would speak to Moses face to face as one speaks to a friend then Moses would return to the camp but the young aide Joshua son of Nun did not leave the tent Moses said to the Lord Lord you have been telling me lead these people but you have not let me know whom you will send with me you have said I know you by name and you have found favor with me If you are pleased with me, teach me your ways so that I may know you and continue to find favor in your sight. Remember this. Remember that this nation, they're your people, God. And the Lord replied, my presence will go with you and I 
will give you rest. That's a good word. When you hear that, that, that day that you hear that, my presence is with you and you're going to find rest. What is faith? When you're in faith, faith is a rest. Fear has torment. And oh, the love of God is what casts out fear. Being established and rooted and grounded and knowing it by experience. When you know that God loves you and that he's watching over you and he's going to care for you. He's going to take care of you. He's going to help you. He'll never leave you. He'll never forsake you. He'll not abandon you. He'll never fail you or leave you without support. When you know that for yourself, you experience the love of God. And that perfect love, the love of God is what casts out fear. Because fear has torment. If you're being tormented in your soul tonight... Resist that spirit of fear. Resist the thoughts coming against your mind. Those thoughts that I'll tell you, if you take them, the thought becomes an imagination. The imagination is a picture of that which you fear. And then if you let it... If you let it linger and you meditate on that imagination and that picture long enough, it'll drop down into our spirit and it will become a stronghold. Remember, you can't keep the birds from flying over your head, but you can keep them from building a nest in your hair. You can't keep the thoughts from coming, but you can keep them from taking root in your heart. Take authority over them. Replace those thoughts with the word of God. And say, I refuse to fear. That's something I've really been working on this last month. God's had me working on that. Because fear has torments. And there's so many things when you're doing things greater than yourself. But my word has been, I refuse to fear. I refuse that spirit of fear. I will not yield to it. I refuse to fear. If God is for me, who can be against me? What shall I say to these things? Things? God is for me. You can't stand against me. And you push them back. And you push them back with your words and with your faith, and oh, it becomes just like the Pharaoh's army. He gets swallowed up in the sea. God makes a way where there is no way. He'll bring rain when there's no rain. He'll make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert, in the dry places that you encounter in this earth. God will make a way. He will bring rivers to that dry place. And you'll drink from them. Amen? Amen. Well, let's see what Moses said. What was his response to God saying, I'll go with you and you'll find rest. Moses said this. And we've been hearing it here in this church. He said, if your presence does not go with us, do not send us up from here. Presence-led church. 
if your presence, God, if it doesn't go with us. You know, there's a way that seems right unto man, but the end of it is death. The end of it is the absence of God's presence. And I don't want to be in a place ever when I'm experiencing the absence of God's presence in my life. You can try to figure some things out and analyze and, and, and try to get all the answers and research. And sometimes I can get hung up on that stuff. But I'm telling you, God is bigger than that stuff. He's bigger than what you can figure out in your own mind. He has ways that are higher than your ways, ways that you don't even know about, that you haven't even thought about because they're God thoughts. You know, where he has people march around the walls of Jericho and the walls come tumbling down as they shout to the walls? Does that make sense? Where he has Naaman wash in a filthy river, dipping seven times to be cleansed. Does that make sense? No. What has you speaking to mountains to have the mountain move? Does that make sense? Jesus did it. He cursed the fig tree. It dried up from the root. You've got to speak to the root of the matter. The root. Deal with the root. All this other stuff out here is the fruit. The fruit comes from the root. You've got to deal with the root. If you have rebellious kids, you have things going on in family members, don't look at the fruit. Deal with the root. Amen? Amen? The root produces the fruit. Parents get all frantic. Situations in family members' lives, they get all frantic over things because they see all this fruit. Don't get frantic at the fruit. Address the root. Amen? Amen? So, if your presence does not go with us, we're not going from here. Where was here? Where was he? He was in the wilderness. He was in the desert in a very dry place. He had no comfort out there. He had no support. There was no abundance. There was only enough for each day, right? There was no gardens. There was no homes. There was no place to go shopping for necessities. There was, there was nothing. It was barren. He only had these people that he had to provide leadership for that were rebellious. And then he had the care of the multitude. Can you imagine the disputes that went on and the things that were happening when over a million people are gathered together? But... Moses had the heart of a worshiper because he said, I'm not going from this place as bad as it is, as terrible as it is. I'm not going from this place unless your presence goes with me. That, my friends, is the heart of a worshiper. Hallelujah. Oh, Father of You know, when you're in a situation like that, where you're being pressed on every side, what comes out of you? What do you want to come out of you? Lord, help us, your church, help your body to have faith in you. That when we're in the middle of a press, all we have to do
do is touch but the hem of your garment and virtue flows. Lord, we are so thankful tonight. We're so thankful that we can have relationship with you. Where you can speak to us and show us things to come. Granting us wisdom, insight, and understanding. Helping us, Lord. Helping us to pass through the valley of Baca, the valley of weeping, the hard places, so that we can come out on the other side and we can make it a spring. And a spring is not just for you, it's for others. It's where everybody else comes. You know, as you were a little kid and you went, ran through the sprinklers? It was something that you shared with your friends or maybe your family members, your brothers or sisters. It was so much fun to get under the sprinklers, under the spout where the glory comes out. And everybody gets wet. Well, you can get under the spout where the glory comes out. And you can get saturated with the presence of God. And you can see things from his perspective. And when you see from where he's seated... You're looking down on some things. I tell you, you you then become the head and not the tail. You're then above and not beneath them. And that's the position that you need to take. Staying above it and not beneath it. And so as you press as a worshiper of God. Worshippers, that's not just something you do when you're in church again. It's not just something that you do in your own private life. It's something that you do as you live outwardly before man. Like that lady who was worshiping God. That example. I mean, you saw, I saw her heart. I saw her heart. God, let me see her heart. And oh, it inspired me. Provoked me. Made me hungry. When you go out into the world as a worshiper, your life should make other people hungry. You should have God's love dripping from you. You should have words of kindness. Words of strength. Sometimes it's got to be a hard word, but if it's done in love, amen? Hallelujah. Father, you're helping us, your church. You're helping us. You're helping us to become worshipers of you, worshipers of the Lord, so that we can say, yes, Lord, yes, to your will and to your way. Let's just stand up on our feet and let's just do that tonight as we we close. Hallelujah. We're going to let... Thank you, Lord Jesus. We're going to let God arise. And let's just declare this together. Yes, Lord, yes. To your will and to your way. That means you let God do it his way. Don't take matters into your own hands. But wait and listen 
and obey. Obedience, you know, that just flows out of that place of submission, which is at the heart of a worshiper. Obeying God, obeying his, his word. When you're a worshiper, it just it flows from your heart as you submit yourself to him. Spirit, soul, and body. Part of submitting to him is doing what his word says. Fear not. Don't be dismayed. Hmm. Only believe. Father, we thank you tonight that words from heaven, that as we take hold of them in our hearts, they will inspire us and encourage us. And that encouragement does bring courage to our lives. Courage to step out and to do some things. Courage. Strength. Grace. Ability. Might. Sometimes when you get to places that's bigger than yourself or you're just not sure what to do, you have to look up and just say, oh, Lord, I just trust you. I don't know how, I don't know the how, but I do know the who. And I trust you, Lord. Yes, I do. Trusting in him. Allowing him to work. Allowing him to direct. We don't like that. We want to control things, don't we? Our flesh does. Our flesh wants to be in control of situations in our life. But it's not until we cast the care of them, the person, place, or thing, over on God, the situation over on God. When you cast that care, remember that first word care is a noun. Casting the whole of your care over on him because he cares for you. The second is a verb that takes action. When you give it to God, he takes action. That's good news, family. Thank you, Father. You're helping us to grow up as worshipers, even as Moses grew up, even as Moses stood. Lord, we too stand and we say, Lord, we don't want to do anything. We don't want to go anywhere. At least your presence, oh, goes before us. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. If you're here tonight and you've never asked,